What can help you take advantage of today's low mortgage rates and save money? Rocket can. You could save hundreds of dollars every month by refinancing with Rocket Mortgage at today's near historic low rates. If your current rate is over 4%, you could lower your payment by over $150 a month, saving thousands in interest every year. Call us today at 8338-ROCKET or go to rocketmortgage.com. Savings are based on quick and loans, internal data, points and fees may apply. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. And consumer number 3030. Hi, this is Kevin McCullough. Thanks for listening to the Christian Outlook podcast, where we cover today's issues from a perspective that honors your Christian faith. Our podcast is brought to you through a partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I trust you'll enjoy. If you have at all been watching or even perhaps participated in the debates over the role of social media in the 2016, 2018, and again the 2020 election, you're certainly not alone. And I got to tell you, maybe at a level, we're going to ponder this with my next guest, maybe at a level, it's not exactly Zuckerberg's or Dorsey's fault that these platforms have the kind of power and influence that they had. Because at the end of the day, the party responsible for giving them much of the power, well, look in the mirror. We created a monster. We did so by divulging every boring to assorted details of our lives, surrendering every thought and documenting every action laid out before the entire world and placed knowingly, wittingly, willingly in the hands of big tech. So Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Google, et al. We want to hold them accountable. And I think there's a level at which this is going to be equal to trying to stuff all the feathers back in the proverbial pillow once you've ripped it open and turned a fan on in the room. <laughs> Sounds like an I Love Loopsy episode. We want these Internet operators and platforms to be responsible and fair. But now that we've surrendered as much as we have, is that even possible? Let's try to reason through all of this. Jerry Boyer joins us now. He's an economist, best-selling author, journalist, publisher of the affluent Investor Daily. And, Jerry, always a privilege to have you join us. And always a privilege to be with you, Craig. Boy, there's a lot of power here. There's a lot of money. There's a lot of influence here. And I'm really torn because at a level you look at this and say, you know, they ought to be a little bit less biased, a little bit more even-handed. Uh, the alarming uptick in cases of outright censorship handed toward people of every stripe, from conservatives to Republicans to um, Christians of all makes and kinds, is, 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 is steadily growing larger and louder day by day, and of course, they will come back, they meaning uh, big tech, and say, well, we're just responding to the hue and cry of people that were upset over things that's transpired in the last three election cycles. So, you know, mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're coming to sort of police our own platforms. But is it too little, too late, and is that even a disingenuous uh, effort on their behalf when they're claiming to try and and create a better sense of parity on their platforms, all the while signaling certain, um, shall we say, ideologies out for potential censorship? Yeah, I I think it probably is too late, um, and or or it's at least too late given their current organization and personnel. So I mean, I happen to think that um, I. Try to give people the benefit of the doubt where where I you know, where I can, 
Um, and I think maybe Zuckerberg um, and Dorsey, et cetera, maybe they really do think they're being fair um, because they are in such a thought bubble that maybe they think that everybody who believes that um, you know male and female are distinct um, and not, this, not the same gender and that you can't transition from one between the other, maybe they think we really are the equivalent of Nazis and therefore outside the discussion of reasonable people because maybe they don't know anybody like us, like half the country or more. Um, so they might have such limited experience that this really seems fair to them, but it isn't. Um, which means that they need to do something to make sure that there are people who are involved in the process of deciding you know, who gets dropped and who doesn't, who gets blocked and who doesn't, who actually think like half the country. There just needs to be somebody there. You know, when Netflix is deciding to put out uh, you know, a trailer for a movie that sexualizes young girls, you need to have a Midwestern Christian mom in the room to say, hold on. Uh, hey, listen, you know, code boys, I understand this might not seem weird to you. This is horrible. So you need to have, you know, <laughs> you need to have diversity. The thing they talk about so much, um, how much diversity they have, they don't really have any diversity. They have skin diversity and sexual identity diversity, but they don't have viewpoint diversity. So even if they want to be fair, even if I bend over backwards and stretch and say, okay, they do want to be fair – you can't be fair to a view that you have no familiarity whatsoever with and that nobody in your team represents. And I have to wonder if, if maybe part of this is part and parcel to a, a larger problem that has been brewing in America for many years. For example, I, I hearken back to the day and age when the motion picture code was put in place. It was, quote-unquote, voluntary although I certainly think the watchful eye of the federal uh, government or Congress at the very least was never uh, uh, too far out of their minds. And essentially, uh, they, they created a code that was based on a common moral belief and did their best to follow that code, at least there be penalties put in place, uh, right. because at the end of the day, they were trying to appeal to as broad an audience as possible, and it wasn't in their best interest um, to to be offending, you know, potential moviegoers, listeners to the radio, readers of a newspaper, etc., etc. I have to wonder if, Jerry, maybe part of the problem today is not only is there a, a true lack of real diversity, as we might define it, in both the boardrooms and, and decision-making centers of many of these big tech organizations, but also the fact that uh, trying to find a common moral code upon which we can agree what is acceptable and what is not acceptable is becoming a big and bigger challenge, isn't it? Yes, because there isn't a common moral code anymore. Um, because America was influenced by Christianity strongly, um, and there was a mix, largely Protestant Puritan Christianity early, then waves of Catholic immigrants, um, and you, then you have waves of immigrants, uh, Jewish immigrants, and so we get this kind of Judeo-Christian worldview ethic. Uh, and there was a common morality that es essentially was based on that, so that even atheists, they still kind of lived in that world, in that common morality world. But that's gone. We don't have a common moral code. We don't have a common worldview. Uh, we have very distinct tribes. Now, I believe that there is a common uh, or moral code in the sense of there is a true, objectively true moral code. 
which is revealed in the Bible and lived out, impersoned by Jesus Christ. Um, so I think that's the real moral code, and the others are you know, reflections of that or dim reflections or you know, rebellions against it. Um, but I think we're past the idea that we can just push, uh, point to common sense. There isn't common sense. Jesus has a parable about this, the parable of the wheat and the tares. Over time, wheat becomes more weedy, uh, wheat-y, um, and tares become more tarish. Um, and so the different worldviews are maturing into what they are. And I think that basically the world of social media is kind of tear world. Um, it's very secular. It's very left. It has a religion based really on technological utopia. They're more likely to believe in the singularity than they are in the Lord of Hosts. Um, and um, so they think that they're the mainstream, this tiny little subsection, this fragment of culture. Uh, this atheistic um, fragment of culture that believes that maybe you are all playing in a giant video game or something, they really think they're the mainstream. And the majority of people who hold to Christianity or Judaism were treated as though we're odd birds um, destined for the dustbin of history. But, uh, you know, on, on the other hand, isn't it kind of our fault in some sense? We could have built the platforms, but we didn't. You know, so they were technologically and entrepreneurially forward-looking, and they built these platforms, which you know we're now all sort of addicted to, um, and we didn't. We didn't embrace the technological possibility of this, so we've got to play catch-up now. Well, and not only did we fail to embrace uh, that sort of forward-thinking vision, as you suggest, to, to see the potential of the technology, but then a lot of people have been major contributors to giving them the kind of power that they've gained. I mean, I, I do not spend any time on Facebook, and yet I hear stories about people that want to reveal every minute detail, what I had for dinner, how long I stood in the line at the restaurant to be seated, who was at my table, every minutia of detail, not recognizing that, you know, the old adage, information is power. And we have turned yes. over so much information to these platforms that now what have they done? They've done what we could expect them to do. And it doesn't even have to be sort of a dark Orwellian thing. It's just logic. Information is power. Information can also be money. And they've managed to cull both out of all of the information that we have. Nobody, if you're a listener right now and you're actively on Facebook, nobody put a gun to your head and said yeah, you right. must sign up for Facebook and you must post pictures of what you had for breakfast this morning. But here's we've a done basic it. Adage, and, um, here's a basic adage when you're dealing with social media or, or really any service. If it's free, you're not the customer. And if you're not the customer mm. and it's a business, then you're the product. We are not, we, uh, social media pretends that we're the customer, but we're really the product. Uh, Jerry, for the benefit of listeners, it's, it's an axiom that I think um, we would be <laughs> – well served to memorize and keep in mind uh, you made the comment uh, of the uh, the relationship with any of these big tech companies uh, between the product and the client and who exactly is in which position uh, share that with listeners again if you would if the service you're using is free then you're not the customer <laughs> and if it's a business making a profit right um, and you're not the customer then you're the product. We're yep. the product. And that what these businesses do is pretend that we're the customers. So who's the customer? The customer, there's two kind of two sets of customers. One is um, companies that buy your data, 
They want to know what makes you tick. Um, and two, and there's an overlap, companies that essentially want access to your subconscious mind by um, mm. changing, by giving you a sense of, of, you know, affinity to their brand or trying to manipulate you into a purchasing decision. Uh, they're hacking you, trying to get you as advertisers, but they're not really, you know, kind of being explicit as advertisers, a little bit more like subliminal advertising. If I'm watching a TV show, here's a commercial. But I'm watching social media and something appears in my feed. Did it appear in my feed because the algorithm said to? Or did it appear in my feed because somebody paid Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn to make it appear in my feed? I don't really know, and that's the point. I'm not supposed to know because if I know, then I know that they're trying to sell something to me. So we're not the customer. We're the product. The customer would be the advertisers and the big data companies. So at the end of the day, they're either selling us or selling to us, but okay. we we are we are on the the commodity end of that uh, of that transaction. And I, you know, when it comes to questions of this sort, when we're trying to address uh, a lack of fairness in uh, large corporations, um, you know, historically there's been two ways to bring them into line: either through the power of law or power of the buck. Um, how does Congress go about stipulating controls if these are essentially private platforms? Well, let me give you an example to sort of clarify my question, Jerry. Um, prior to the existence of these platforms, if you wanted to get your viewpoints on a topic out to the public, you might call into a radio talk show. You might write a letter to the editor. But believe me, both the operator of the radio station as well as the owner of the newspaper and their editorial board and the opinion page, uh, th they control what letters get printed, which ones don't. Um, they oftentimes even edit content. Uh, they'll tell you for space, but <laughs> I also know to a fact it's often done for content as well. And so there, there's always been kind of that, that gatekeeper relationship because our, our First Amendment rights specifically stipulate that government shall pass no law. But we're not talking about a government entity here. We're talking about essentially a private enterprise. So right. what's the difference between the kind of censorship that any newspaper in the country, even for the ones that remain to this day, exercise on a daily basis in terms of which letters to the editor that they choose to print from an organization like Facebook saying, hey, we don't feel comfortable with the content that you've posted on your page. We're taking it down. Well, the, the difference is that um, it's a lot, lot bigger scale with the social media companies. Um, so that matters. But there's another difference, and I want to kind of lay out another option for how you deal with an issue like this, which is that newspapers are almost always privately owned, but these companies are publicly owned. Uh, we own them. Um, in our 401ks and our IRAs or our 403bs or whatever you have, your college um, savings plan, uh, we are the final authority. If I don't like what Congress does, I can vote. Guess what? If you don't like what the board of directors of Facebook does, you can vote there too if you're a shareholder, and most people are. Most people, have, most people own stocks. And these are giant companies, and giant companies tend to appear in a lot more stock exchanges. So I would argue strongly that um, we start to use the authority that we already have, um, that we go to the investor relations portal and say, I'm a shareholder. I don't think it's good 
uh, for you to have politically biased banning of content on your social media platform. I don't think it's a good business plan to uh, treat half of the country like we're not human beings. I don't think it's a good idea for you to alienate customers. I don't think it's fair. So let's have some changes. And if they don't like that, uh, they don't respond, then you go to an annual meeting, which you can do. And they're all online this year, so they're easy to attend. And you force the question. And if they don't respond, then you put a proxy on the ballot and you take the, you take the issue directly to the shareholders and have a referendum on this. And also you start talking to board members uh, because we elect board. If you're a shareholder, you're the elector. My state legislator pays attention when I call because I elect him or don't. Um, well, board, we need to bring the pressure. We need to use the authority we already have. We're not using it. We're not used to using it. The left is hyper-organized in this regard. And we are whatever is the opposite. I guess we're Cooper organized. We're, un, we're grotesquely underorganized when it comes to using our authority. And, you know, as a result, we're paying the price for it because, you know, as I suggested earlier, it, it feels a little bit too little, too late, or trying to put all the fellow feathers back into the proverbial feather pillow once we've torn it wide open in a room with a fan going. Uh, I mean, there, there's been so much damage that has been done. And uh, right, wrong, or indifferently so, um, many of the mistakes that they made in not better policing outside actors in, in previous elections, for example, and I want to make it clear, this is not singularly about elections. This has become much broader, much deeper, and even in the article you point out, Jerry, that we're beginning to see the influence of so-called cancel culture even when people are expressing very wide-held religious viewpoints up to and including religious viewpoints that have been canonized by the Roman Catholic Church in the case of uh, pro-life issues. And, and I use that just as one example of many out there where uh, Facebook has come along and said, you know, we, we just we don't agree with this and we think that it's becoming uh, uh, too much of a hot-button issue, so we're going we're gonna to cancel your presence on our platform and so voting with our feet is something that we certainly has always been an option but as you point out jerry sadly we've just not learned to really use that tool as effectively as we should yeah we, we can vote with our feet and not use them we can vote with our shares and actually vote uh the other thing is we can you know we can um uh, uh, start alternatives uh, that aren't as toxic and every time there's some big you know when twitter banned uh, president trump that was a great day for Parler. <laughs> uh, when Facebook does this kind of thing, it grows MeWe and it grows Gab. There's a whole lot of people out there who are working on completely different approaches, like blockchain-based, like the same technology behind Bitcoin, but it's not money. It's sharing ideas, and it would be peer-to-peer, -peer, and nobody could censor or control it because that's the nature of the software. So what they're doing is, by alienating customers, they're destroying their business model. They're inviting regulation because we have a piece coming out in National Review in a couple of days that basically says, listen, the left will never like you, Jeff Bezos. You're a billionaire. Mark Zuckerberg it never will. Um, uh, uh, Jack Dorsey, they will never be your friend. You have a chance to have a relationship with the Republican Party, which traditionally is pro-business, but not if you keep censoring conservatives. If you, if you do this, you will have no friends uh, on Capitol Hill. You'll have no friends with the regulators, and then you'll just become another regulated utility with the same growth rates and return on capital as the electric company. You become just a boring, no-growth no company. Uh, so you, you, know, you better 
think you better think hard uh, about alienating the only political party in this country that um, isn't automatically your enemy by starting to be uh, um, fair. But if you're not, okay, Providence will provide. There'll be alternatives. Um, there'll be other platforms. There'll be more decentralized platforms. And then Facebook and Twitter and Google will just be, at some point, in my opinion, distant memories. They will have had their day, and they will have misused their opportunity. So there may be the potentiality in, in one sense uh, of this kind of, quote-unquote, running its course, do you think, that people that get just so tired of this that every time they post something they're concerned about whether or not it's going to wind up uh, in the dustbin or might offend one of the so-called censors at Facebook or Twitter to the point where all the work that you put into building a platform and building a following and providing content and suddenly tomorrow you discover, guess what, somebody at Facebook doesn't like it and they have just made you disappear. And, and I see this all the time. People will put something on social media and um, not edgy, not crazy, you know, just like, you know, vitamin D might help with COVID. And boom, they're slapped with one of these warnings. Um, you know, what, what, what you read isn't really attested to. Or if somebody says something about the election results, oh, look, I'm not into like the election was stolen, you know, by the Russian bots or, you know, I mean, you know, I, I think there were issues, but they, got, they definitely could have gotten exaggerated, but there's no doubt that there are questions to be asked about the election results. Um, whether, whether that amounts to a stolen election or not is a different question. But you put anything on social media about that, and you get these warning labels. People don't like when someone like points at them in these social media contexts, like the algorithms, point to them and basically say, don't believe this person, they're a liar. People don't like to be treated like dirt by businesses that they're doing business with. And so they move away. And I'm seeing so many more people who are saying, well, I'm going to MeWe now, or I'm going to Gab, or I'm going to Parler. Um, and I think there'll be other alternatives. I don't, of course, there's go nowhere. How about this? Spend time with your family. You want to change the future? It's, it's, not, it's not on any social media. It's in your living room. It's in your kitchen. Uh, it's in your dining room. It's in your yard. Um, and I think generally that's how – and in your church, that's really where you make social change. And I think people are beginning to figure that out. They're beginning to figure out that this thing was designed in such a way as really to be addictive in some sense. Uh, there's a kind of a hacking of the mind. There's dopamine addiction. It was designed by smart people to make you stay on it all night. And once people figure that out, um, then they kind of move away from it um, or they manage it or whatever. So between government regulation, which is coming, lawsuits, which they're vulnerable to, new technologies, which want to take away their lunch, and people getting sick of being manipulated, I just don't think – I think that in the end – their attempt to control culture through political manipulation will fail like every other attempt to control people. I'm not saying it's right away, but I just don't think they're going to win in the long run. And I think your point is a very valid one, Jerry, and that is the look at this from the broader lens of the, the societal changes that have taken place here. And that if we want to make changes, it doesn't lie singularly in influencing the board of directors at Facebook to make leadership changes or policy changes. It lies in an area where it's well beyond their reach to stop us, and that is influencing society, being a societal changer. And if you change your behavior, guess what? 
you don't need to have laws passed by Congress that will essentially uh, neuter um, big tech. We'll do it to them by simply stepping away from the computer or the uh, screen and saying, you know what, I, I need to have some limits here because until you impose limits, they will never impose limits. And I think it's a, a tremendous amount of wisdom is uh, Jerry just alluded to a moment ago. Don't think that all of this influence that they have or the addictive nature is by accident. These sites were developed by very smart people, and you've got to believe that as they developed the sites, there was a very specific marketing methodology in mind. Remember our discussion earlier about, you know, who's the product and who's the client here. And if they can control and manipulate you as the product to volunteer more time, to volunteer more information, to essentially um, give in. If they can figure out a way to make a buck out of that, that's exactly what they have, will do, and have done. Something that we've talked about on this program many, many times down through the years, it's values-based investing. The idea that when you place your buys within your IRA, your 401k, you're doing your investing, that you're careful to choose companies that are in alignment with your own personal values. So in other words, as an individual, you don't want to buy stock in, you know, tobacco companies, for example, or within a, uh, a pharmaceutical company that provides the RU486. Well, I wonder if this is a case where we need to think more seriously about values-based investing when it comes to the investment decisions and there may be p people listening right now uh, Jerry Boyer who has no idea that they have holdings in Twitter or in Facebook or some of these other platforms that uh, you know they they chose a, a nice big cap uh, growth stock and figured good you know I'm, I'm, I'm in this ETF and everything is good does it make sense is this a juncture when folks ought to be thinking more about their investment choices, particularly as it relates to how we're, we're essentially helping to fund what many of these companies are doing. I think they ought to be thinking about their investment choices, but my default would not be to screen out the companies that, say, are involved with this cancel culture. My default would be to say, when you've got a company that's in your portfolio, this is an opportunity for you to bear witness to the truth. Um, it's not the sick who need the doctor. It's not the well who need the doctor. It's the sick. So when you see something in your portfolio that you think is off, like, for instance, what we're talking about, um, uh, or, you know, say some company threatens to boycott a state because of a heartbeat bill, I don't look at that and say I must sell that stock because selling that stock doesn't punish them. They don't even know I did it. Uh, instead, I say... I'm the adult oversight. Uh, I have legal authority. It's time to be salt and light uh, and get in there and talk to them and keep talking to them. And don't go away. You know? <laughs> don't quit talking to them. I've had conver ongoing conversations with companies. They're off the record where I've been able to educate and influence just one voice. Um, so I would say, if, look, if your conscience bothers you, um, then, you know, the, the, the rule about, um, you know, the Pauline rule about uh, meat sacrifice to idols. If your conscience bothers you, by all means, you have to sell a company that is not aligned with where you're coming from. But if your conscience doesn't bother you, I would urge you to say, how can I use this influence? How can I see this as an opportunity to move them in the right direction? 
And moreover, to be mindful that you don't have to be a majority shareholder uh, pulling up to the stockholders meeting in your Rolls Royce to have your voice be heard. Uh, You get stuff in the mail every year where you're asked to vote. You probably throw it away. Uh, but that's kind of your, your 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 entry ticket, isn't it? And as you point out, Jerry, yes. right now with so many of these shareholder meetings taking place uh, online, here's an easy opportunity for you to participate and and speak your piece, and you don't even have to get in the car to do it. Yeah, you know, and the people on the left who have won every one of these fights, they're not majority shareholders. You know what they usually do? They buy one share just so they can go to the annual meeting and speak up. Um, shareholders are, by a uh, majority, conservative. I mean, I've seen polling. I know someone who's a poller, pollster, and he only polls those who are owners of stocks. So it's not a poll of citizens in general. It's shareholders. They're much more conservative than the population in general. We just don't show up. Um, and I think if we did, we could have a lot more influence than we think we did. And by the way, there's a resource I, I want to mention. StopCorporateTyranny.org um, has a campaign right now. It's absolutely free. They won't even take your name to do fundraising. I'm not doing any fundraising. It's just, you know, uh, I had some input and someone built an app. You go there. You put in your name. You put in your uh, – you, you, you say, look, I'm a, I'm a shareholder in Facebook or even I'm a user of Facebook. Click, and it will send an email to the board of directors, to the CEO, um, um, and um, to the uh, customer service saying, I object to this cancel culture stuff. Um, I mean, it takes about 15 seconds to do, really, honestly. That's all it takes to to speak out on this. Of course, you can do more. If you're you're an investor and you get that statement that tells you you they have an annual meeting, uh, it has a code, you call or email them and say, here's my code. I want to log on to the annual meeting, and there you are, and you can ask a question. One person showed up at the Disney board meeting, a friend of mine. One person showed up and said, you fired Gina Carano because you thought, you, because she, you thought it was objectionable for her to use a Nazi analogy. Pedro Pascal used a Nazi analogy, uh, but from the left, and you didn't fire him. I'd like an answer. And you know what? The CEO of Disney actually had to defend himself. He couldn't avoid it. He, you know, maybe you can say, I don't want to take um, questions from, from uh, reporters, but he can't say, I don't want to take questions from shareholders because we have a legal right to ask the questions. And we can force that to be one person showed up and, uh, out of hundreds and made him defend itself. So just be the one person, just be one more person who's asking these questions. You'd be shocked at how much influence you can have because we're just beginning to get into this. Thanks for listening to Christian Outlook. Our program is coming to you today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you enjoy our podcast, take a moment and tell a friend to subscribe today.